The Bible Study Podcast, episode 182. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues with the study of the prophet Elijah. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. This is going to be the second to the last in the series on Elijah. This is going to be a five-part series, as it turns out. We're going to be focusing primarily this week on 1 Kings 21, but I want to tell you a little information about the chapters previous, 20, and the chapter after 22. Now, Elijah doesn't appear in those chapters, which is why we're going to skip them pretty much. In chapter 20, one of the other neighbors of Israel goes and fights against them. King Ben-Hadad of Aram comes against them and proclaims that your silver and your gold are mine and the best of your wives and children are mine. And God sends a different messenger. God sends a different prophet other than Elijah to say, no, don't agree to this. That's ridiculous. Don't do that. And that you're going to, in fact, win a victory. And so Ahab, in fact, wins two victories in two succeeding years over these invading people. So even when God is not happy with Ahab, God is still protecting his people Israel, even though they don't think they are his people. So God still has faithfulness to them, even if they are unfaithful to him, at least at this point. And so, and God is still using other prophets besides Elijah. And that also happens in chapter 22. We'll see in a minute. But in chapter 21, we get this story. Now, sometime later, there was an incident involving a vineyard belonging to Naboth the Jezreelite. The vineyard was in Jezreel, close to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Ahab said to Naboth, Let me have your vineyard to use for a vegetable garden, since it is close to my palace. In exchange, I will give you a better vineyard, or if you prefer, I will pay you whatever it is worth. But Naboth replied, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my father's. So Ahab went home, sullen and angry, because Naboth the Jezreelite said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. He lay on his bed sulking and refused to eat. His wife Jezreel came in and asked, Why are you so sullen? Why won't you eat? He answered her, Because I said to Naboth the Jezreelite, Sell me your vineyard, or if you prefer, I will give you another vineyard in its place. But he said, I will not give you my vineyard. Jezebel, his wife, said, Is this how you act as king over Israel? Get up and eat. Cheer up. I'll get you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. Now, we haven't seen a whole lot about Jezebel in this particular account, but this is one of those stories that really informs us of her character. Now, Ahab is king over Samaria. He is king over the northern kingdom. He is an absolute monarch, so he can just take the vineyard, but he doesn't choose to. So Ahab in this first portion of the story, actually doesn't do anything wrong, right? He offers, hey, I see you have a vineyard. It's close. It would be convenient for me. Can I have it? I will give you just compensation. I'll either pay you for it or I'll give you a better vineyard, but this one is convenient for me. And Naboth doesn't want it. Naboth doesn't want to lose this inheritance from his fathers that has been in his family for generations. And Ahab is sad about it, but doesn't do anything bad. Now, Jezreel, when she says, I will get this for you, you can pretty much bet she's not going to go to the lawyers. She's not going to go make Naboth a better price. And so this is a peek into Jezebel's character and to a lot of other things that happened at this time that didn't get written down. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name, placed his seal on them, and sent them to the elders and nobles who lived in Naboth's city with them. 
In those letters she wrote, Proclaim a day of fasting and seat Naboth in a prominent place among the people, but seat two scoundrels opposite him and have them testify that he has cursed both God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. So the elders and nobles who lived in Naboth's city did as Jezebel directed in the letters she had written to them. They proclaimed a fast and seated Naboth in a prominent place among the people. Then two scoundrels came and sat opposite him and brought charges against Naboth before the people, saying, Naboth has cursed both God and the king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death. Then they sent word to Jezebel, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. As soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned to death, she said to Ahab, Get up and take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite that he refused to sell to you. He is no longer alive but dead. When Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, he got up and went down to take possession of Naboth's vineyard. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Go down to meet Ahab the king of Israel, who rules in Samaria. He is now in Naboth's vineyard, where he has gone to take possession of it. Say to him, This is what the Lord says. Have you not murdered a man and seized his property? Then say to him, This is what the Lord says. In the place where dogs licked up Naboth's blood, dogs will lick up your blood, yes, yours. Ahab said to Elijah, So you have found me, my enemy. I have found you, he answered, because you have sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. I am going to bring disaster on you. I will consume your descendants and cut off from Ahab every last male in Israel, slave or free. I will make your house like that of Jeroboam, son of Nabod, and that of Baasha, son of Ahijah, because you have provoked me to anger and have caused Israel to sin. And also concerning Jezebel, the Lord says, Dogs will devour Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Dogs will eat those belonging to Jahab who die in the city, and birds of the air will feed on those who die in the country. There was never a man like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged on by Jezebel his wife. He behaved in the vilest of manners by going after idols like the Amorites the Lord drove out before Israel. And so, Elijah is sent to give Ahab the bad news. Basically, at this point, God says he is done with Ahab. He is done with Jezebel, and they're going to suffer the same fate of this man that they unjustly accused and had murdered. And so they're, and at this point, it sounds like God is saying, I am done with Israel. After all of the idol worship, after all of the turning their back, he's finally had enough. Because he says he's going to cut off the descendants and cut off from Ahab every last male in Israel, slave or free. So whether he is just cutting off Ahab or whether he's cutting off all Israel, I'm not sure. But we're very close coming to the day where God is going to be done with Israel, where God is going to decide, I gave you enough time, I gave you enough chances, and this is it. But an interesting thing happens, and that's the rest of the story. When Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes put on sackcloth and fasted. He lay in sackcloth and went around meekly. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, Have you noticed how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself, I will not bring this disaster in his day, but I will bring it on his house in the days of his son. So even with all this, even though the book of Kings says that there's nobody like Ahab, no one who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, even Ahab can repent. Even Ahab, God says, if you humble yourself before me, I will take you back. Even this Ahab who is just committed to murder 
Now, of course, this murder reminds me of the murder that David commits when the prophet Nathan confronts him after he has killed Bathsheba's wife, Uriah, or had him killed. That basically he says, you had all of this that I have given you, and yet you killed this one person just to get his wife. And in the same sort of place here, you have all of this kingdom, and you kill this man just for a vineyard. But even with that, God is still willing to forgive when Ahab repents. This story obviously tells us more about God than it tells us about Ahab. Ahab, we learn some of his character. Jezebel, we learn a little more about her character. But we also get displayed more of the character of God who is long-suffering, who is faithful even when we are faithless. And then the next chapter, which we're not going to spend a lot of time on, again, because it doesn't involve Elijah, is Ahab and Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat is the king of the southern kingdom, the king of Judah, the kingdom that has not turned against God. And Jehoshaphat is generally a good king. And they are going to go to war together against Ramoth-Gilead. And they go and look for a prophet. And all of the prophets keep telling them, yes, go, yes, go. And finally, they come across the prophet Micaiah. And he is a prophet of God who is faithful to God and tells him, no, don't go or you'll die. And in that case, as in this case, the prophet is presumed to be an enemy. The prophet is presumed, why is it that you always prophesy bad things against me, is what Jehoshaphat says. Did you notice how Ahab, when he runs into Elijah, says, why are you my enemy? Well, is Elijah Ahab's enemy? Isn't Elijah bringing a word that leads to repentance that saves Ahab's life? How is that an enemy? But we don't want to hear the bad news. We don't want to hear when we are doing wrong. We don't want to be confronted with our sin. And so Elijah, even though he is acting in this case on Ahab's behalf, even though through the words that he brings from God, Ahab is saved, at least for a time, Elijah considers Ahab considers Elijah an enemy because he brings him bad news, because he puts his face in a mirror that lets him see himself as he is, warts and all, sin and all. And I think that's something we need to be careful about is there are times that people come up to us and they confront us with things that are wrong with us. And they may do it in the appropriate fashion and they may do it in some other fashion, But it's easy for us to say this person is against me when it's possible that they're being used by an instrument of God to confront us so that we have an opportunity for repentance. Something for us to think about. We'll finish the study of Elijah next time. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Often we believe our questions mean we don't have faith, but I believe Jesus loves our questions. Our questions are windows into heaven. I'm Caden Fabrizio, and on the Questions with Caden podcast, we ask and answer one question per episode as relevantly and biblically as possible. Questions about fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and so much more. Don't worry, your questions, they're not going to scare Jesus, so ask away. Listen and subscribe now at lifeaudio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.